0: Welcome to our podcast, I'm Liz and I'm Taylor and now we're talking Darian.
1: Hello and welcome today is June 30th and today I am honored to bring Joe Larchevec the executive director of Post 53 and Ryan Genovese the vice president of student affairs for Post 53 in to talk with us about what they do and how this operation runs.
0: I know. Hopefully most people in Darien have heard of Post 53, but I'm not sure how many of us actually know what it is and Mm -hmm. what happens there. Um, It is a fully student staffed and operated emergency services. And they're located, they actually have headquarters here in Darien at the Nroten train station parking lot as you get on the 95 South ramp.
1: Yeah. And this rounds out our kind of our coverage of all emergency response in Darien after having talked to the police and the fire department um, I mean, this is really a great way to finish it off. These, this group of young volunteers is truly exceptional. It makes Darien unique, so right in our wheelhouse. I love that you said it Taylor. All right, let's bring him in. Okay. Joe Lorschvik, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And Ryan Genevies, thank you for coming.
2: Hello,
3: thank you.
0: I gotta say for Ryan Genovese, you are our, I think our youngest guest uh, that we've had to date. Uh, how old are you, Ryan?
3: I'm 17 years old.
0: Awesome. You are gracing us. You are breaking records here in Darien.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want to, you know, talk with you guys a little bit about, uh, you know, why Post 53 is what it is. Uh, I found some pretty interesting history online. Joe, can you share with us like the story of how it got started?
2: Sure. So it was started in 1970 by a gentleman uh, named Bud Doble. And Bud was very concerned about uh, the drug and alcohol prevalence at the time, especially how it affected his kids. So he wanted to come up with a program that really showed them the raw um, dangers of drug and alcohol use so he started post 53 with that in mind um, and from there it grew you know into a first aid team where you know the kids would go out and staff boy scout events they would staff local community events uh, providing first aid and then it just became uh, what it is today over time Um, they bought a vehicle they were able to go out and do some uh, you know, emergency medical um, calls at certain times during the day. The police department covered it other times during the day. And then as the program expanded, they became a 24-hour ambulance service.
0: So when he started, when Bud started this, was it staffed originally with trained volunteers or was, you know... Of- so in
2: 1970, there was not the certification structure we have today. They were just first aid trained. They took a Red Cross first aid course learned very basic skills and was able to to use those skills to help people and then in 1973 they came up with the federal guidelines to how to train emergency medical technicians and paramedics and uh, came up with a curriculum and textbooks to do it and you know from there um, you know as kids started to get into the program the training got more formal Um, then it became state certification Um, so they had to meet all of the standards that any other emergency medical service in the state would need to meet
0: and could, was there an option to opt out of that or a state required that everyone had to
2: no the state requires so if you're on an ambulance and you're transporting uh people to the hospital or providing emergency medical care you have to be certified mm.
1: but i i'm so fascinated that it was born out of an interest in educating our children like I, I think that's really neat and it's clearly still at the heart of it like ryan can you talk to us about what it's been like for you to get involved how long have you been involved and can you talk to us about how it works like how do you get involved
3: so now i've been involved for about three years um she so started
1: when you were 16 15
3: yeah you start i'm 17 now so i started the process when i was about 15. so when you're in eighth grade is when you start to apply um and then from there if they accept your application that's when you can join the first aid class um which is a couple month long program towards the summer after your eighth grade and that's when you can get in afterwards of that
0: How many kids apply and how many get through, how many get recommended to the next step?
3: I'm not exactly sure from my year, but I know this past year we had about 80 applicants and we were only able to accept 40 into the class.
0: Wow, 50%. 80 applicants around that are kids that are 8th graders going to ninth grade.
3: Yes.
2: And that's just into the first aid class where we have to pare it down again to 20 because we only take approximately 20 every year. Wow. Um, so it's, it's very competitive.
1: I've heard it's really competitive. Yeah, so what kind of testing and what do you have to do to, to make it?
2: So the first aid
3: class is basically like a elongated first aid course. They don't actually get first aid certified from it, but it's just a way that we can spread out and teach them first aid while like getting a grade from them, having midterm and like final tests while also like seeing their class presence, um, personality, and stuff like that.
0: Interesting. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Well, and then, okay, so they, so the, to, isn't there, my questions always are like this, Taylor edits me out all the time. <laughs> um, so they come, they take the first aid training, you kind of get to know the person. That's kind of like a basically an elongated interview process. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then from that process, like what, what stands kids out to go to the next level? And then what is that next level?
3: Mm, so the biggest thing I would say would be grade. Um, if you have a very high grade, that's very telling, you're obviously putting in lots of effort. Um, I would say the second thing would be your overall attitude and like presence in class when people are participating actively, uh asking good questions, um, stuff like that. We have interviews, so how they do in that is a big thing because we have some very telling questions in our interviews.
0: Who's interviewing and who's
3: grading? Um like grading the tests. Yeah. So interviews we actually held last class. So I was conducting interviews along with one of my um friends jamie santella and then we had an adult in there as well um and then we had two instructors teaching
1: is everyone that kind of makes it like a future doctor
3: uh (laughs) it's actually a good amount Uh, a lot of people who apply for post are already interested in like the medical track so it kind of works out like that and sometimes you like aren't sure but post will like make you want to go into the medicine um But I don't think, I I would say it's probably like three fourths will actually end up going into the medical field, Mm -hmm. which is a huge percent. But.
0: Well, I think all you guys probably go on to be like leaders or managers. I mean, Joe, talk about the fact that how do you guys get, you know, kids, essentially kids when they're coming in, who then become leaders who are now have the responsibility to train these guys to respond to emergencies? How do you get a a kid to be as qualified as Ryan is now?
2: So it really is a. a three or four year long process. You know, they come in as rising freshmen. Um, they ride on the ambulance um, after an extensive amount of training just to get familiar with the equipment. What do we call certain things? Uh, What's it listened to on the radio? Um, then, as they enter their sophomore year, they take the state emergency medical technician class, and that's 180 hours. So, on top of their already pressing schoolwork, they're so, sitting there Mondays and Thursday nights from 7 to 10 and Saturdays, um, you know, throughout the year, learning how to become an EMT.
1: So all the kids are EMTs and it requires 180 hours.
2: Yes, and, minimum. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: This would be a silly question, but who's paying for
0: that training?
2: So the training, the parents uh, pay a tuition to take the class. Okay. Um, and then after that, they become state certified after doing their state testing. And that rounds out their sophomore year, and then as juniors and seniors, they work as EMTs, doing patient care on the ambulance, and then as seniors, they become uh, really the true leaders and the mentors of the underclassmen. So it's it's always changing, um, you know, our population, but the quality is the same because they all learn from each other.
0: I heard something cool in York training, by the way, Ryan. Like. You guys, some like as part of your training you have to stay up and do night calls and do like a 24-hour shift. Is there something like that or
3: Um so all of our shifts are 24 hours. Oh. But your first shift as a rider. I know you have to have a full shift before you can cover anybody, so you have to have a full 24-hour duty.
0: So you're staying up through the night.
3: Yes. I mean, you don't stay up, you. You get to go to sleep. We have bunk rooms, but staying up would be cruel. <laughs> wow. But
0: you're on call for 24 yes. hours. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that must weed out a lot of people right there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not, sorry, I meant to ask that as a question. So does yeah. that weed out a lot of people?
3: I mean, that's <laughs> that's why we have to be so, like, the grade is most important because when you're going on two calls in the middle of the night and then you have to wake up and have, like, a math test the next day, yeah. it's a little difficult.
1: For sure. I mean, it's a commitment by the family, you know, in addition to just the, the, the student, it seems. Exactly. Um, but what an honor. Like, I would think, and I wasn't going to go down this path quickly, but I guess, you know, we're there. I how does this affect like getting into school it's got to be like such an incredible asset on your resume
3: um i'm not exactly sure how it's going to affect it for me but i know i mean all uh, most of the people are like very smart that have graduated recently and they're all going into great schools and they all worked for it um i would hope it would help just because of all the hours but we can see
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's such an incredible experience and the the learning, the volunteerism, that I mean, it's so many great things rolled into one experience. I would think colleges must love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing I hear, or I've been told by, I've, I've talked to young kids about this who do put this on their resume, that this is exclusive to Darien, that Post 53 is, can you talk about that? And
2: mm-hmm. Correct. As far as we know, we're the only ambulance service in the country that's structured the way we are. Wow. You know, there's a lot of programs that have um, explorer post kids or have cadet programs that, where they work alongside adults um, and learn from them. But, you know, this program is completely run by our young adults, you know, through the, the mentorship and guidance of a, a really dedicated group um, of adult advisors. Um, but, you know, they staff the ambulance, they're the ones who do the treatment, they drive the ambulance, they are extensively trained to do this and then that was one of the things that I think came out of Bud Doble and what his vision was is that if you allow them the opportunity to, to step up, they will and they've done it for 51 years.
1: That's amazing. I know. I always kind of thought that there'd be like an adult expert on board every time but no?
2: There is, so we have an adult on every call. Okay. Um, they respond in a separate vehicle so they primarily make sure that everybody's safe uh, make sure that the the overall patient care is heading in the right direction. They're all EMTs as well, um, so they're they're primarily for guidance. Okay. And then, um, you know, they they just are there to, like I said, to to sort of make sure that everything goes to plan.
0: Um, Can you break they, down that structure then for us? Then, like talking about like and like staff versus volunteer versus EMT versus paramedic versus adult versus child. Can you give us numbers and we're all
2: this? Sure. So we have a, approximately 45 adult advisors, Okay. Um, and these adult advisors, like I said, provide oversight on calls. They also staff the ambulance during school days. So when the kids are in school, they will bring the ambulance to school with them, but we don't want them being pulled out all the time. So we have an adult crew that takes the first call during the school day.
0: Okay. And this so, is EMTs or paramedics? These are
2: EMTs. Okay. Um, and then all of our um, student members are EMTs um or through the process of becoming an emt
0: and how many of student members are there ryan do you know this number
2: i think now it's about 84
1: wow 84 from freshmen up to
0: seniors
3: we we tend to have around 20 or or a little more per grade okay
1: right and if if a child was still living in town but had graduated are they eligible to stay on or no
3: they are not sadly um you the give them the boot, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: the heck? <laughs> After all those sleepless yeah. nights?
2: <laughs> they they could stay as graduate reserves. Okay. Um, if, okay. so, and many of them do come back. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Okay. That's cool. And then, but all these, and part of my earlier question, volunteer versus staff. Right? Is every one of these members on? Right?
2: So they're all volunteer, with the exception of myself. Okay. Um, and then you talked about paramedics. So the town contracts with Stanford EMS to provide full-time paramedic coverage in Darien. So, there's a separate station. Um, so, is
1: that the adult that goes on the call?
2: No, that's a paramedic who responds to serious calls.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah I don't think a lot of people, I
0: should know the difference between EMT versus paramedic.
2: So, is that an, e- naive? an EMT is about 180 hours of training. Um, it's the base level to be able to transport somebody safely to the hospital. And the paramedic is about two years of college. Uh, they can administer medications, they can start IVs, they can perform certain life-saving surgical procedures, um, so they have a much higher uh, skill set.
0: And you're a paramedic, John? I'm a paramedic, yes. So if I strangle Taylor right now, you'll be able to respond in a
2: <laughs>
0: formal, official capacity?
2: I'll call the official paramedic okay. to come. <laughs> Maybe a psychologist <laughs> is what we need at this point.
0: <laughs> okay, sorry, take us offline there. <laughs> no. So going back, what's the relationship with Stanford and the paramedic team and how our paramedics operate here in relation to the EMTs?
2: Yeah, so Stanford EMS um, has always provided paramedics since 1996, but they would be um, stationed in Stanford. And then if they were needed, they would come and and respond. So who
1: determines whether it's a serious call and we need
2: Stanford? So there's something called emergency medical dispatch. And when the uh, dispatcher answers the phone, they ask a bunch of questions. The, the, through those questions, they determine if sure. it's a basic call that you know the EMTs can handle, should a paramedic respond, and then the paramedic will respond in a separate vehicle, has all their equipment, and then will come on board our ambulance and transport with our crew.
1: Got it. And so what's your role as the executive director? What do you do?
2: So I maintain the overall day-to-day oversight of the operations, and it's it's a great job because Kids do a lot of the work for me. Uh, But, uh, you know, just making sure that, again, we stay compliant, we stay well-trained, we stay well-staffed and well-equipped.
0: Do you have to do, um, every time you guys go on a call, do you have to file official paperwork that goes with that? I assume so, right? Absolutely. Does that fall on you, Joe? Uh,
2: It falls on the crew. So the crew will complete uh, a chart, much like the same that doctors do in the ER or nurses. You know, everything has to be documented. So we have what's called an electronic health record that is completed by the crew, and then it goes through several steps after that. You know, um, We have a QA team that reviews it and recommends changes or suggests improvements. And then I'll review it. And then once a month, we take the more serious calls, and we review them as a group and talk about best practices and ideas for different you know, modes uh, of treatment.
0: That's interesting. So within the, the, the kid volunteer group, you guys have subcommittees?
3: Yes. Yeah, so once you become a... Um, Junior, you have the option to become an officer, um, or not the option. You're chosen to become an officer, so you. Who chooses you? The elected officers. Okay. Yes. So and is that
1: what the stars on your collar are all about?
3: Um, no, these these stars are about calls. Um, so this is just like per- good performance on a call, on a serious call. Huh. Um, so you'll be chosen, in each office is around one thing. So, like, we have an exteriors officer who just like keeps the exterior looking clean. We have an interiors officer. We have um, a standbys officer who organizes with the ambulances at like a football game or hockey game, and staffs that crew, um, and just many more.
0: Wow, how many, total, how many
1: officers total? Put you on the spot, right? I 20, right?
3: I think so, I think about 20,
1: yes. And so you're the Vice President of Student Affairs, right?
3: Yeah, so I'm one of the elected officers. Um, we have six, so we have the President, and then we have five Vice Presidents um so basically what my job is is just um dealing and like planning all events post is related to it's so, like the memorial day food fair that just re- frequently happened i guess not really the food fair but that yeah. the kind of memorial day fundraiser that just happened mm-hmm. um like the ha- halloween haunted house um stuff like that yeah. And then i also manage any um like conflicts that'll occur in the membership oh new scandal yes. yeah. post therapist <laughs> 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 what
1: kind of conflicts um,
3: if anyone feels like they may be like getting bullied around the building or anything like that, that's what I would be dealing with.
1: I hope that's not
0: happening. Yes. Hopefully
3: that, luckily that is not happening.
0: Well, you know, between actually that statement and Joe's statements about paperwork that you guys have to file, I was going to ask you, let's start your favorite and least favorite part of this job. So maybe start with your least favorite. And we might have
3: uh, definitely, definitely the charts. He was right. The paperwork. Is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wonder. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay. What about your favorite part of this?
3: Um, I love patient care, so I would say going on calls, um, I, the only, like, sometimes you'll be like, oh, I really want to go on a call, like, I really want to go on a call right now, but you don't have to come back and sit and write a chart.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to be a doctor?
3: Uh, I really thought I did, um, for the, like, the first two years of high school, and I kind of realized that I had tunnel vision on it just because of post, and I didn't really, like, wasn't really looking at all my options, and I'm thinking now that I might want to go into engineering. Oh, cool! Yeah, but almost all of my friends in post want to be <laughs> doctors or nurses.
1: That's that's neat. I know that is neat and great that you're able to step back and figure that out too. So, what is like? What's
0: the majority type of calls you guys get day to day in a town like Darien, Connecticut?
2: So most of the calls um, tend to be falls, elderly falls. Oh, really? Uh, followed by traffic accidents, um, and then. General sick calls and, and other types of, of categories, but falls are our primary response.
1: Oh wow. wow. And traffic accidents mostly in town or on ninety five?
2: Uh I would say probably split. Yeah. We do quite a lot on ninety
0: five. So you guys be tough. Yeah, you probably see some pretty bad stuff.
2: Yes. And we work very well with our public safety partners. So, you know, the police department is our first responders. So They're on every call with us.
0: Love our police department.
2: Very helpful. They're great. And then the fire departments in town as well respond for our traffic accidents, and they keep the highway safe for us when we're there and, and, yeah. and really work well.
0: I can't believe yeah. you guys and the fire departments are all volunteers. I
1: know. I feel so like We've had them all in here, and they're, you know, doing such an incredible job. Thank
2: you, guys. I know.
0: Well, and by the way, going back to the the falls, like my mom volunteers for at-home dairy and and that community of elderly and the elderly community here, and I have heard that sentiment that they rely a lot on Post fifty-three. So it's, I mean, I've heard praises to Post fifty-three for how that community feels safe knowing you guys are in town. And can you do you want to speak to that at all? Or
2: no, I mean it's humbling and it's you know it's great and I would hold. You know what this service does and what these kids do every day up against any EMS agency um, you know they're very well trained they're compassionate um, they're community focused and patient driven and that's what you would want and anybody who would come to your house at you know your darkest hour right um, you know and it's funny because sometimes when I'm with you know the crew on the call and you know sometimes if they're not familiar with post 53 and they you know their eyes go up and like are these kids yeah right, right and you know they're a little hesitant and it, you know i enjoy watching that hesitancy vanish vanish within minutes
1: yeah i've heard um, moms talk about that you know where their child was choking and they've called post 53 and you guys have saved their child's life and they just rave about it like i i you know of course i was scared when i saw how young these kids were but they were amazing and you know my daughter's here to today because of them yeah. Um what and, do you think about that ryan
0: like have you seen that when you go there, you see someone look at you have you gotten that when they're like oh what do you
3: Definitely, all the time. <laughs> Especially because my first years of high school I looked like I was maybe eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I would frequently have people look at me and be like, Are you supposed to be here? or like <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, but you kinda have to like prove them wrong. That's like the part that's a little different about us or any other MS agencies, is you they kinda walk in and immediately have their respect. But um, when you're walking in as like a seventeen year old kid it's a little more, you have to like, show that you deserve it.
0: And do you relate to, like, you know, if you to speaking to an elderly person, someone over 80, they're looking at you, this huge disparity in age here. Yeah. How do you relate to someone like that? How do you gain their trust?
3: Um, well, I try not to, like, talk to them like I'm like above them, you know, like I like, act like I'm on their level um, and then just, like, explain to them what's in their best interest and, like, why they wanna do this. Like, usually patients will not wanna to go to the hospital. So you kind of have to like get on their level and talk to them about why they should go to the hospital, um, which I would say is the biggest thing.
1: Interesting. Well, I'm so touched when you said, you know, in your darkest hour that, you know, these kids will show up. And obviously we've lived through our darkest hour with COVID. Um, Talk to us about what that was like for both of you and your respective seats. Like how did this affect our volunteers? Did you have staff members that got sick? What was it that were the call volumes higher?
2: So if we look back to... January, February of last year, and as, you know, the pandemic started to ramp up, and you started to hear of cases in New Rochelle, and, you know, first one or two in Connecticut, um, I was nervous. You know, we're a very unique organization. We rely heavily on volunteers, um, you know, so we started to look at what if, you know, what if we lost adult advisors. What if we lost kids? You know, what if parents didn't want them out there on the ambulance?
1: Yeah. I mean, did some kids have to come offline?
2: So remarkably, no. We lost one, maybe two who were just nervous and came back. Um, But, you know, we had an opportunity to put some really sound safety practices into place. We had all of the personal protective equipment that we needed. We were on top of the CDC guidance and you know, I made sure I communicated regularly with the parents. And I was extremely impressed that, you know, they all supported the organization. They, you know, they knew what the risk was, but they also knew what their kids did for the community was, you know, a tremendous value, um, very important. Amazing. And yeah. I mean, you know, you can imagine if Post wasn't here tomorrow, what the gap would be.
0: I was going to ask you that. Like what does what, what does it look like in Darien, Connecticut if post 53 were not here? Right. What no, uh, that, what, what does that look like? Do I, we
2: I mean there, there would have to be, you know, a contracted service. You would have to have another EMS agency or a private company come in. Yeah, paid service. A paid, a paid service team. and you know, there's you know, certain things you would give up. You know, about having an organization as deeply rooted in Darien as post is.
0: Well, does it, the majority of your of your funding comes from fundraising in town. Is, is that correct?
2: That's correct. And, you know, we look at our operating budget and what it takes to run the ambulance service, and it is entirely community funded. So we're very grateful for the donations That's of the incredible. community. Yeah.
0: That is incredible.
1: And that, you know, that kind of leads well to, you know, how you guys do fundraise. I know this year Memorial Day was kind of a bummer, um, you know, with the selling of the food packages rather than having the fair in Tillipon Park. Um, but tell us about what it will be like, hopefully next year. Um, and I I did not know about the haunted house, so tell us about that.
3: Oh yeah, so the haunted house is very fun. We have um, upstairs, we have the freshmen and sophomores who are doing like face painting, is this games at headquarters? Stuff. Yes. Oh, so okay. it's a good way for the town to kind of see the inside of our building and what it's like. So we have freshmen sophomores doing like games, face painting upstairs, and then downstairs we have the juniors and seniors in like very scary costumes and like fake blood. In our haunted house in our garage, which is actually very scary.
0: Wow That's funny. like can you bring like a, a four-year- old to this or
3: we have levels so we have like a oh. yeah, super scary if you want to go through that and then we have an easy one.
0: Oh, how yeah. cute and so and the primary purpose of this is to fundraise yes
3: I mean I would say to fundraise and also kind of at the same or even higher would just be to like introduce the town to post and like kind of all the new people coming in so they can see what it is because it's definitely better if you're more aware. Of like what's going on. Than if like you're in an emergency and you see sixteen year olds walking in to help you and you have no idea why.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so is that where most of the fundraising comes from? Are those two events, or is it year round solicitation? We do an
2: annual appeal that starts in the fall. Okay. Um, which is our, our largest fundraiser is to just get out there and, and appeal to the community and, and our events are the haunted house, the you know the food fair was always a staple in Darien, and unfortunately we couldn't do it last year. This year we modified it with the food packages, which was great. Um, we have a tremendous fundraising team that works on this, and and like I said, it's it's really important because you know we don't we don't charge for our service, which is rare nowadays.
1: Yeah. What's your annual operating budget?
2: About four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year.
1: So you raise that privately.
2: We raise it privately.
1: That's so cool. That's Amazing. amazing. That is really cool. And there's other ways you're engaged with the community, too. Like, I know you guys do training for CPR, and I saw on your website Stop the Bleed. I'd never heard of that. Um, Can you tell us about some of that training you offer?
2: Yeah, so Stop the Bleed came out of the uh, tragedy in Newtown. Um, And, you know, they had a, um, a group of, you know, healthcare and public safety professionals from around the country came together in Hartford and said, you know, how do we prevent this? Um, you know and if it does happen how do we prevent people from dying while we're waiting to you know get into the building so one of it was stop the bleed program was to teach people very basic techniques of how to you know stop someone from bleeding so it's tourniquet use it's you know applying bandaging correctly um, and it's turned into an opportunity for post to go out there and share that information with with the community And it's important because, you know, we teach CPR and and CPR is a life-saving skill, but you're much more likely to come upon somebody who's cut their leg um, than you would somebody whose heart has stopped. Really? Okay. And you can make an equal difference in both.
1: Since I've never heard of it, like how do you find one of these classes on stop the bleed or or CPR?
2: So we offer them uh, throughout the year. Again, with the pandemic, it's been a little challenging. Uh, but we're starting to ramp that back up again, and then we do it for any group or organization who's interested. We can come to them and and teach them as well.
1: Wow! Yes. So citizens can just reach out to you guys and schedule something. Yes. Okay. I was
0: going to ask that too. Yeah. So people who are are wanting to like learn more in general about the program, if they have kids that want to apply, if they want to fundraise, if they want to take a class, like where where do you send everybody for this information?
2: So they can go to the post website, which is post 53org dot org. Okay. And then there's a whole training section that describes what we offer, um, and an email link to get more information.
1: And you also do stroke awareness, right? We do, which is really interesting because I mean I don't know a lot about that either. Like, some, I should take all your classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, given like the difficulties of this year with not having the Memorial Day food parade, and whatever, are you on track to raise what you need this year?
2: So we are. Uh, we're. We're very fortunate last year with the pandemic. I think a lot of the community stepped up and realized okay, good. that you know we needed a little extra support. Good. The personal protective equipment cost was significant. Yeah. Uh, the safety uh, procedures we had to put in place. So you know we were very very happy that the community really you know was quite generous. <laughs> um, town and is incredible. It is, and and this year as well. You know we've we're not seeing obviously quite the pandemic. Response, but you know we're right on track with where we've been in the past. Um, So the community continues to support this organization.
1: I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's great. Well,
0: that's kind of actually that's a a great segue, and I was going to ask you because you are a trained paramedic. You've worked. Uh, you know, all over the place and taking many jobs and you've chosen to come and work here in Stanford. I mean, sorry, I work here in Darien. Um, used why, to work in Stanford. used to work in mm-hmm. Stanford. Sorry, that's fine. Can you just give us a brief history on like on what you did before and why you chose to come here?
2: Sure. Um, it's an interesting story. I was, uh, became a paramedic in 1989 um, and I worked in primarily urban settings. So I was in New York. I was in Bridgeport for a while. Came to Stanford um, in 1992, became a deputy chief uh, while I was there. Um, in 1996, that's when Stanford started the paramedic intercept agreement with the town to uh, respond from Stanford when Darien needed help. And I was asked to come over to post and do a little orientation mm. to you know, what paramedics are and show them some of our equipment. Um, so I went there on a Wednesday night and uh, two things happened one I was extremely impressed I only knew of the program you had heard, heard of the program heard though. of it and but never really had an involvement so I was very impressed to see a room full of high school kids and had the same reaction probably everybody had when they first saw it like what is this <laughs> um, the second thing that happened was I met my future wife that night no oh my god I did so she was an Mentally. adult advisor at the time and, um, awesome. Shortly after we started dating. So that was sort of solidified my uh, respect and involvement wow. in Post 53.
0: We to close the deal, Joe. No, you're not kidding.
2: <laughs> so after that. That's the I, kind of
0: man we want on our staff. <laughs> deal closer. That's right. Uh,
2: but I continued to get involved and I did all, a lot of the training. I did a lot of the quality assurance. Um, you know, through my role at Stanford, I was able to do a lot of work for Post. And then this opportunity came in 2018.
0: This is the first time that we, we decided that as, as a town, or as posted to three, decided to have a staff person? Correct. Okay, three years ago, four years ago now?
2: Correct. So they approached me and asked if I was interested, and I certainly had the history Yeah. Um, and, and, and certainly the appreciation. So I was honored that to is do
0: it. very cool. It is really cool. Well, it made me think of it because you take it again and again we have people like you guys coming in, we hear about the, the this great work going on in town and the fundraising and the community involvement, how the community steps up, and it's it sounds like such an appeal, like the firefighters just came in, the, the foundation were having similar similar sentiments, so the way this community rallies behind our causes, so I could see how that, as an out, I haven't been an outsider coming in now, feeling that, if that was.
2: Oh, it's palpable. It's an amazing, amazing community.
0: Mm.
1: So Ryan, you're a senior?
2: I'm going to be a senior, yes.
1: You're going to be a senior. And is there anything that happens in your senior year that you're really looking forward to? Like, it's gotta be the best year, right?
3: Yeah, um, it's definitely nice because every year you're kind of trying to like prove something in post and like you're really working your butt off to prove something, so like EMT class, you're working your butt off in that. The year after that is when like right before you're becoming EOs, the the elections to become EOs, so I was really trying to work hard to become an EO, which luckily I was able to get my position. And then this next year, it's kind of like, I can relax. I'm not trying to like prove anything. And I can just do my job, um, be on duty, because I love being on duty. Um, yeah.
0: Wow. Now, do you have a girlfriend that you've met at closer 232, Ryan? I do not. <laughs> okay. Is this a theme? I just want to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Emergency surface slash dating site. There's <laughs> okay. a reality
2: show somewhere in there, <laughs> I think. There's yeah. always no time
0: to make this scandalous. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no, i <I'm> excited. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean... Thank you both. I, I am so grateful for your time today and for all you're doing for our community. I mean, this is an incredible um, demonstration of, you know, this, what makes this town great. I am I mean, I'm so grateful on behalf of my children that might need you someday or myself. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming in and for everything you do.
2: Oh, well, thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you.